Welcome to The Dish, the show that uncovers the stories behind the world's most famous dishes. We are your hosts, Tomo and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us and expert guests with tasty facts, foodie secrets and more. In this episode, we discuss the most important cultural dishes in Belize. We ask, beans and rice or rice and beans? We discover the unhealthiest yet tastiest breakfast food in the world. Plus, the royal rat. Is Belize's famous rodent fit for a queen? Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Dish. Yes, we are in Central America. Not actually, literally. I wish I was. It'd be so much warmer than here. We were. We were for quite a long time. And we visited the country of Belize. Yes. Wonderful place of palm trees and white sand beaches and crystal blue water. Second longest coral reef in the world after the Great Barrier Reef. Second to Australia. I actually didn't know that until we went there. Yep. So we did a bit of snorkeling and went out and saw lots of amazing fish and coral and, you know, the water's beautiful. It is beautiful. Loved it. So Belize was a lot of fun. Yeah. But one of the things we were interested in, of course, is what to eat because- That's literally what we do. I mean, that's what we're always interested in. But we hadn't heard a lot of information about what Belizean cuisine is. We'd heard that some of the islands, because we in particular went to San Pedro and we'd heard it become quite Americanized. Which it has. Mostly just in the amount it costs for everything. It's it's a little more expensive than you'd expect for (laughs) Central America, but it's still affordable. Yeah. So we thought for anyone else who's heading to Belize, you might want to hear a couple of the main dishes that you should try. While you're there. Yeah, of course, we like to talk about the tasty things that we ate and some stories behind them. And of course, if you like this show, do make sure that you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen and, you know, leave us a good review. Five stars. Anything less than five stars, you know, nah, we don't want that. Don't I'll do that. a four. But I mean, you've got to no, have good no, reason. Don't do a four. You've got to give good reason. What, what's the point in doing a four? The Australian talks too quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't put that. Don't put that on the review. If you can't leave a five-star review, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast. That's what I always say. Um, if you don't love the podcast, you're on the wrong podcast. But give it a few minutes at least before you decide. Don't run out and leave a review this exact second. But when you finish listening to the episode, if you really like it, leave a five-star review. If you don't really like it, don't leave a review. <laughs> Just subscribe. <laughs> But thanks for being here. Yeah. It helps us out if you subscribe and leave reviews. It makes us go up the charts and then we get more listeners and then we can make more episodes. So it's a win-win for everybody. Hells yeah, it is. All right. All right. So Belizean cuisine is actually, it's a solid reflection of the country's multi-ethnic population and history. If you want to see a country that's had more influences, like, I mean, Belize is just a melting pot. It's insane. For Central America, I guess Europe's been just insane for thousands of years, but for Central America, they've had a lot of influence. Exactly. So today, the cuisine has a range of diverse foods starting from the early Maya settlements. So that whole Belize area all the way up into Mexico was all Mayan. So you get your tamales, your cochinata pibil. And you can go back and listen to our Yucatan and Mayan food episode to learn more about those sorts of dishes. That's season one, episode six. 
you know, all of that is that real strong history through that region. Then, of course, you have the history of the pirates who were known to come and have a few barbecues oh, in the area. Pirate barbecues? That sounds pretty fun. So I know, right? It's like, it's fun if you survive it back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently they, they did. They, they used to pull up on the beaches of Belize and just have a barbecue. Why not? Yeah, why not? From there, of course, you have the British uh, settlers who came in. They brought bread and beer with them. Because, yeah, Belize is the only country in Latin America that speaks English as their native language. That is correct. Well, not native language. They're newly modified (laughs) in the last 400 years native language. Yeah, they were actually previously known as the Crown Colony of British Honduras. Ah, yeah. And that changed. And then they actually gained independence, I believe, in 1981. Yeah, pretty recent. Yeah, But everyone speaks English, so it's quite handy. The British were there for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Of course, they brought with them their African slaves. We don't like slavery, but it has actually really created an amazing uh, culture in that region where you have your Creole influences, all those stews that they brought with them and all of that sort of stuff. And then, of course, today you have both your Latin and Central American influences as well. So it's this ultimate melting pot of different foods that you can try, you know, their local spin on on these sorts of dishes that are really popular all through Latin America and also a few that are, you know, sort of got their own Belizean sort of take on things. All right. Yeah. So now, of course, I have to begin with Belize's national dish, which is rice and beans. Okay. So this sounds like, I mean, rice and beans seems to be like a Central America, South America thing. It is. It is. A hundred percent. So what's, what's going on? It's not, it is not a dish that is originally from Belize, but it is absolutely a dish that you can't visit without trying. I have to say that. So rice and beans is originally considered primarily a Creole dish. And today it's absolutely a staple food of all Belize cuisine, which is why you need to try it. And something that will be served pretty much with most meals that you have. Creole, for those who may not know what it is, it's actually considered a person of mixed European and black descent. So, yeah, with as I said, with- In Belize. And this is a crazy thing that yeah. we talk about in the Cuba episode. The word Creole has been used to describe many different people. In Cuba, it actually was used to describe people who were specifically people born in the colonies, but of Spanish parents with no mixed race. Yeah. Every single country around Latin America has appropriated this word in a different way. So, yeah, in the Belize sense, it's a mixed race, but it's not always like that. It's really, really complicated. There's like, there's chapters and chapters in some book I read about this, about how you use the word. So, whatever you think Creole means, it means something different everywhere. So, don't just take your own personal choice of what it means as to what we're talking about. We're One talking about a specific thing, thing for Belize. does certainly mean is hearty, belly-filling, delicious food. It just means tasty food. It means tasty food. In the context food. of the food podcast... It's tasty food. Yeah. That's good enough. That's what Creole Let's not worry means. about the exact cultural implications. It's tasty and it's going to have a little bit of something, something going on. That's what it is. So now apparently, back to uh, rice and beans, in Belize and many other countries, and I didn't realize this actually until I was doing this research, is that there's a difference between rice and beans and beans and rice. <laughs> what? Yeah. I didn't know this at all. I just... I think someone's having you on. I mean, I thought it was the same thing, but I actually looked it up. And at a minimum, the dish of rice and beans, it always includes 
white long grain rice and red kidney beans. In This is Belize in particular. White long grain rice, red kidney beans with coconut milk, sage and other spices. And so it's ideally a somewhat dry mixture where the individual grains of rice and beans are all mixed together, but they're all separate. So yeah. from my memories of rice it's and loose. beans, it's loose. Yeah. You know, you might get it into like a little cup shape when they give it to you, but it's all- It'll all fall apart. It's not sticky. No. So, yeah, the beans are actually cooked separately from the rice until they're soft. And then the rice is added along with that coconut milk and all that stuff until it all absorbs. So, it is, as I said before, it is all together. And most of the time, whether you go to a restaurant, buy a plate at the roadside, you know, go to a home, the Belizeans expect that rice and beans are going to come with three other elements, some kind of stewed meat. A scoop of potato salad or one or more strips of fried plantain. So, this is all like the whole dish that comes together. And often you'll find that stewed meat that's served is often chicken. It's actually good to note while you're there that if the host or the server or the menu or anything doesn't actually mention what the meat's going to be, you can pretty much assume that it's going to be chicken. Because, yeah. yeah, that's the standard. Like, if it says rice and beans with a stew, it's going to be chicken. They do serve it with pork and beef and seafood stews and stuff like that. But if it's actually not mentioned what it is, it'll be like rice and beans with pork. You know, then you know you're getting pork. But otherwise, if it's not mentioned, no, you're going to get chicken. Uh, when it comes to beans and rice, the beans are slowly stewed with onions, garlic, and a touch of ricardo and coconut oil. And they create a saucy consistency. So this is getting sticky. All right. This is getting sticky. And then the rice is cooked separately again. And the Beans are ladled on top or served to the side. Ah, okay. That's literally the difference. So, rice and beans is beans cooked in the rice, and beans and rice is a portion of beans with some rice on the side. Exactly. But not together. don't forget your hefty serving of Mary Sharp's hot sauce on top. Oh, Mary Sharps. Are we going to talk about that a bit more later on? We're not. We should mention that now. Because I think it should be possibly a side episode, like a little mini episode. But just for context, Mary Sharps, if you don't know about- It's on every table across the country. It's Belize's most famous hot sauce from Mary Sharp. That's all I know about it. But we know it was on every table. We bought a few bottles to bring back with us. It's so freaking good. She's got lots of different varieties these days as well. And we got some really nice ones. But yeah, it's it's a hot sauce. So, you know, it's vinegary and it's spicy and it's great. Of course, you can put this sauce on rice and beans or beans and rice. It's, it's <laughs> Whichever of the, <laughs> it's these important you. dishes you I want I did to. see a few different places mentioned that rice and beans means that there is more rice than beans and beans and rice means that there's more beans than rice. That would make sense because rice and beans is a big pile of rice with a few beans in. Yeah. As opposed to a big pile of beans with some rice on the side. Yeah. God, this is confusing. But I know. All right. I get it. I got to compare it. Sorry. So rice and beans is where it's mostly rice. So, you know, the rice comes first. Beans and rice, the beans come first. Is that the right way around? I don't, I don't know anymore. Know. No one knows anymore. I didn't know it was a thing till now. Check out the show notes, foodfuntravel.com slash Belize podcast, and we will hopefully have defined They're this. They're both tasty, and it's all like mixed with the same stuff. So just order it. Order it. You'll be fine. If you've been listening to what we've been saying, hopefully you've been making mental notes and you've got it. Yeah. But we've just been talking ourselves out of understanding these <laughs> I notes. Think so. That's literally what's happened. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Okay, back to rice. And beans. Yeah. Okay. Where it's mostly rice with some beans cooked in. Exactly. And mixed yeah. together, but it's sort of separate. But, separate. Yeah, but still yes. dry. Anyway. All right. Um, yes, today is a dish that you can pretty much find 
everywhere in Belize, but you might actually be surprised to discover that it's not a dish that's been eaten by locals for thousands of years. Well, no. No, because rice was only introduced to the New World by the Spanish. Like, they introduced lots of things, yes. They did. So, it's that whole 16th. You know, 1600s sort of business when they turned up and... Spoiler alert. If you listen to the Cuba podcast, you probably already knew that. But if you haven't gone back that far in our back catalogue, then you won't have heard about that. Yes. But uh, 1520, I seem to remember, or 1521 was the date rice first came into the Americas. Yeah. So, uh, when it first came to Belize, it seems that rice and beans were only imported in small quantities to, of course, what it was called at the time, the crown colony of British Honduras. And that was around about the 19th century when the British started importing it. Oh, really? Yeah. But it was being grown around Latin America before that, long before that. Yeah, definitely. It was being grown and things were kind of being imported, but the British didn't actually see it as a real thing that they should start doing until the 19th century. Actually, there's no mention of it from anybody of that time visiting Belize ever mentioning rice and beans as a local dish or as a thing or anything at all. So well, the British didn't care as much about rice, I guess. It's never been I mean, even now today, it's only recently become a big deal in England to have rice. Yeah. Even when I was growing up, like twenty five, thirty years ago, was not a thing. We didn't have rice all the time. We had it occasionally. Yeah. So historically speaking, like things that are actually written down, nothing's actually really mentioned in the region until the nineteenth century. Yeah. Rice definitely more of a, a Mediterranean thing. The risottos, paellas, this Paellas. Yeah, I guess that's where the rice was coming through. In England, it wasn't such a big deal. No, they didn't really care. So they weren't forcing it on everybody. Mm. They weren't making them grow it. I guess they were growing sugarcane or something, maybe. Yeah. But we'll get Um, into that, I presume. uh, No. No? No, I left left rum out. We don't know what they were growing because we're going to be talking about the dishes rather than the raw ingredients they were growing 400 years ago. Yeah. But let's just say rice and beans then is obviously a newer thing in Belize than it is in other parts of Latin America. Also, Something I I read that actually during the British reign, they decided to keep, well, I mean, it was this thing all over anyway. Segregation was a big thing and they decided to keep many of the different people in different communities and in their own cultures. So, a lot of the African people were kept to themselves and a lot of the native people were kept to themselves and the British people were kept to themselves. So, this is why you'll find that for the longest time that rice and beans was considered Creole food and that's what the Creole people ate. Um, it is not something that was primarily consumed by Belizean natives because they were still consuming a lot of their Mayan corn-based foods, a lot of your tamales and whatnot, as I said before. Yep. Um, so back in those tortillas. days- Tortillas, of course. Corn tortillas. Yeah. So back in those days, even for the Creoles, apparently, it was still so- considered something really special and most likely something that you'd only have like Sunday dinner, special occasions, something like that. It wasn't the everyday staple food that it is today. It was. We're having a christening. Let's let's make rice and beans because that's something special. Even being a Creole dish, and I'm doing the the finger <laughs> finger brackets, virtual air quotes air right quotes. now, audio quotes. Oh uh, yeah, it seems that it only began to really be consumed more during the Great Depression. Oh. Yeah. So this is when the British pushed to actively promote local farming in the region in 1932. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't until then, and they opened an agricultural board which paid farmers a fixed price for corn, rice, and red kidney beans. Especially, I think from 
what I had read in a, in a few different articles, they did have black beans around that region that the natives did eat, but it wasn't considered anything to be particularly tasty. And for some reason at this particular time, they were like, red kidney beans are the shiz. So it was corn rice and, corn, rice and kidney beans. And they even eventually built two rice mills and drying facilities, and the farmers gradually began to increase their production of these crops, and therefore more people obviously started consuming them as well. And as time moved forward, of course, with Belize achieving independence in 1981, the cultures have integrated more so, and what's the first thing that gets shared when people meet or integrate with people for the first time? It's food. food. And, you know, that's why it's grown into being such a popular dish of today. And it's it's today's their their number one sustenance, really. It's crazy. But yeah, not until they started really promoting local farming in nineteen thirty two that it became a thing. Wow. All right. So I would have yeah, thought it would have been much longer. Not a traditional dish in any sense, but now an everywhere dish all everywhere. over the country. Yeah. Well she is. Now it's a staple for sure. Yep. Another thing you really need to try if you're in Belize is their spiny lobster. Also known as their rock lobster. Rock lobster. <laughs> All right. It's called it's a, rock lobster. It's a, it's a B-52s style lobster. Yeah. Does it go around with a ukulele and act weird? What's, what's those weird things? That made it? A kazoo? No. no. The, the one that makes UFO sounds. Theron or something. I no, know. I can't remember what it's called. If you're a member of the B-52s and you're listening to this podcast, please tweet us at Food Fun Travel and let us know what you used in the video clip of Rock Lobster. <laughs> Probably not that. I don't even really remember. But we did learn the other day that one of the people in it was um, RuPaul is in that video. Oh, no, the other video. He's in the Love Shack He's video. in Love Shack. RuPaul's How in Love Shack. How crazy is that? You don't even notice because and he, he totally looks like, like a girl. He's like 15 years old and Six still a drag queen. something tall, really skinny, totally looks like a girl. It's, so there you go. Yeah. Look out for that. Love RuPaul. Yeah, but anyway, the lobster from Belize is absolutely famous. And if you go there, people are just like losing their minds for the lobster. Lobster, 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 eat it. Yeah. But you have to go at the right time of year. Um, and actually, if you go at the perfect time of year, you'll find many of the islands celebrating and holding festivals to welcome the return of lobster season in Belize. And that is in particular the month of June. That's when a lot of these festivals kick off. And uh, if you're wanting to attend, make sure you add this to your foodie festival calendar, June. It also marks the start of uh, lobster harvesting season. These festivals that all kick off the harvesting season starts on the 15th of June around about. And um, goes to like December or something. February 14th, oh, apparently. February. Yeah. yeah, so there's only a f- couple of months where they're quiet. Yeah, so if you're visiting outside of these months, you'll either be bitterly disappointed and hungry for lobster, eating frozen lobster, or worst of them all, eating illegal lobster. Uh, Don't eat illegal lobster. It's no. naughty. Don't do it. Although there was one thing that was on every menu when we were there was lobster pizza. Yeah, so, well, then you're getting frozen lobster. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's lobster but season. But during lobster season, yeah. lobster pizza apparently is a big thing in yeah. Belize. Oh, yeah, That's for sure. Cool. So, yeah, the season closes from February 15th to June 14th, as this is the time when all the lobsters are getting their sexy times on ah. and creating new tasty baby lobsters for future festivals. <laughs> Delicious offspring. Mm. Yums. But, uh, yeah, the lobster industry in Belize is absolutely huge today. And the spiny lobster is one of the top marine exports that they have. But actually, I found out that it wasn't so lucrative. 
Apparently, the industry only began in the early 20th century, as previously, mm. Belizeans had traditionally rejected lobsters as trash fish. <laughs> Whoops. I guess it's one of those things that if it's too difficult to get into, why bother? <laughs> you know, you go for the easy eat, right? Back in the day, you're like, oh, that's too much. I'm using too much energy to crack that thing open, cook it and crack it. And then you get hardly anything out of it, let's be honest. Uh, if you get a big lobster, you get a pretty tasty feed out of that. Yeah. Well, they they just weren't interested at all. And it, it wasn't until the early 1920s that the North American lobster industry was in trouble. Because yeah. they were getting theirs from like Maine and from um, Barbados and that sort they of area. They were eating them all. Eating them all. all. Uh, and then an American and a Canadian decided to found a cannery to, to process lobster tails and export them to the US market. And so they turned up and they gave the fishermen a fantastic deal to sell them all their lobster tails for one cent per pound. <laughs> Which I did the I, maths. In those and days. And today that uh, 12 cents per pound today. Wow. So not great. Nope. For lobster. For lobster. For, yeah, for spiny lobster. Locals are like, I'm going to buy some rum. <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, no, you should have no. brokered a slightly better deal than that. But I think at the time they were like, suckers. Like, each side made this deal and shook hands and each they walked away going, sucker. And the other one was like, like sucker. Yeah, we hate this lobster stuff. Let's send it off to the Americans, idiots. Idiots. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but obviously uh, the Belizean fishermen <laughs> realized what a bad deal they were getting. And certain legislation was put into place across the way to make sure that the fishermen were actually making solid amounts of money because it's not easy to fish these particular lobster. You know, it's a lot of- Well, they're spiny lobster. They don't sound fun at all. But it's a lot of diving and stuff like that. And, you know, they're all doing this without equipment most of the time. You know, these guys are badass. So, yeah, of course, over time it's changed and the industry has grown and grown. And today Belize brings in up to 7.5 million USD annually and is a major contributor to the local economy. At one cents a pound. Well, it's not that anymore. (laughs) 75 million lobsters. No, I don't know how much a lobster weighs, but maybe a pound or two, three, four. No, it was one cent a pound in the 1920s, and they've certainly turned things around. They have improved the market a little bit for themselves. Just a bit. They kind of figured out the worth of lobster. Yes. Yes. Uh, Another thing you might want to try while visiting Belize, and I I actually do highly recommend this. It's not good for the diet, but it's so good for the soul. Oh, I think I know what this is going to be. Fry Jacks. Yeah, Fry Jacks. Fry Jacks, baby. Fry Jacks. I miss Fry Jacks so much. It's so dirty. So, if you don't know what Fry Jacks are, they are fluffy, deep-fried dough pieces, which are generally shaped in a crescent moon and are served as a breakfast snack. You have them for breakfast. Well, I mean, really, they roll it out in a circle and they deep-fry it and then they fold it over so it's a crescent moon. Yes, that's true. It's a circle dough that's served as a crescent moon. Yeah. And yeah, so it's like a deep fried pizza dough. Yeah, it's this doughy thing. And you can have it with jam. You can have it with scrambled eggs. You can have it with beans, cheese. We had it with beef and cheese. Yeah, we had a few different versions because it was awesome. Yeah. Best breakfast ever for putting on weight. It is not the healthiest breakfast. It It is, is not healthy. It's not even close to being the healthiest breakfast. It is the least healthy breakfast in the world. I think I'll state that right now. I think so. And it is especially good if you're nursing a hangover, which in Belize, with their famous rum punch, you most likely are. Mm, The rum punch was great. Lots of fruit, lots of dark rum. Actually... There's the two, my two favorite rums in the world, and I like dark rum. I don't like white rum. Best rums, Belize, 
their uh, one barrel. Oh, it's so good. One barrel rum from Belize. It's dark. It's sweet. It's like molasses. Beautiful. Oh, Jinx, buy me a pizza. No. <laughs> you buy me a pizza. <laughs> and number two. <laughs> buy me a fry jack. Number two is Old Monk from India. Yeah. Couldn't believe Ogoa. it. Particularly well, Goa. They make it around other parts of India. I'm not sure exactly where they make it. I know we drank a lot of it in Goa. Yeah. But I know you can get it elsewhere. So I'm not sure if it's from Goa or not. But Old Monk from India is amazing. And you wouldn't think that India is a big rum making country, but wow. Yeah, they got some good rum. So good. Well, just that one. Yeah. The rest, <laughs> throw yeah. it away. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. No, it's probably fine. I haven't then had a lot of the other Car- rum. The Caribbean, if you want more good rum, because I'm pretty much all the rum in the Caribbean's quite tasty. So yeah. so, yeah, I should just say, as we're not really going to talk about rum, that one barrel rum is amazing. Make sure you have it if you're a rum fan and you like the dark, molassesy type, rich flavored rums. I mean, even if you're not, all they're serving in Belize is rum, so give it a go. There is lots of rum and some beer, and that's pretty much all that's going on. It's all on. rum punch. Lots of rum punch. Whee! And it's great. I love the rum punch. It's just fantastic. ask them for a bit of extra rum. But yeah, you can ask them to put one barrel in. We've done that a few times. So use one barrel rather than the other one. It's just like there's one generic brand that's like a main brand. We can't remember the name, and we Google it, and we can't find the name. Can't find so it on Google. Don't know what it's called. It was all a dream. It was a Belizean dream. But one barrel was so good. We. We had friends we just, asking us to bring one barrel back for them. That's how good it is. Like we had so many people going. How much rum can you bring back? And we're like, like, not enough. Not enough. <laughs> That's for us. Yeah. But yes, you are going to need some Fry Jacks after drinking all the rum. That is for sure. And you can find Fry Jacks in many, like, you know, mom and pop restaurants or takeaway stands. Our personal all-time favorite was from Neri's Taco in yeah. San Pedro. And you seriously had to line up to get anything from this this. It was like a- It's busy all the time. Taco. It was like a stand. It was like a food yeah. stand. No matter what time you went in. Busy. It's busy. It was a big food stand. It was like a food hut, really. It was a yeah. big hut with lots of tables outside and stuff. Yeah, but totally worth the wait. Even if you see that there's a big ass line, get in it because it's worth the wait if you're in San Pedro. So, of course, fried dough is not something that is traditionally from Belize, but it is absolutely something you need to try while you're there. Oh, Fry Jacks, yes. Uh, another thing that is uh, certainly not from Belize but must be tries is their ceviche because it's everywhere. For those who don't know, ceviche is a seafood dish typically made from fresh raw fish that is then cured in citrus juices. So usually like lemon or lime. And then in some places they'll spice it with like chili peppers or ahi and then other different seasonings like salt, onions, cilantro, stuff like that. So if you've had ceviche before, uh, you would know that it is a dish that is not cooked with heat and it must be prepared and consumed fresh to minimize the risk of food poisoning because no one wants to get the seafood squanches. No. No one likes that at all. No. But ceviche is, of course, not unique to Belize. It's found all over Mexico, Central America, and South America. It's largely believed that it originated from Peru, as archaeological records suggest that something resembling ceviche may have been consumed in Peru nearly like 2,000 years ago. Wow. But on the flip side, some historians believe that the predecessor to the dish was brought to Peru by Moorish women from Granada who accompanied the Spanish conquistadors and uh, and all of that trope. And this dish has eventually evolved into what is now considered today's ceviche. But that might be a story for another episode. Yeah, the ceviche would definitely be a bigger story than we can handle definitely. on this one. But 
obviously this ceviche in Belize is a little bit different because they put chopped carrot in it. They do. They do. It holds a lot of the same principles as other ceviche. So they have their fresh raw fish. Their fresh raw fish. That's really hard to say. Fresh, fresh raw, raw fish, fish. Fresh raw fish. Fresh raw Fresh raw fish. Fresh raw fish. Cured in citrus juices, uh, but has its own local twist as one of the most popular Belizean ceviches is made with fresh raw conch. 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 C-O-N-C-H. Yeah. There was a lot of conch going on when we were there. Yeah. So apparently that's what makes it quite unique for the region that they actually use the conch. So if you don't know what a conch is- like They're see, big. Have you seen a, a, a movie where they find a big shell on a beach and they're like, and they make like a big noise? That's a conch shell. And inside that, I mean, before it ended up on a beach, lived like this snail-like creature. Well, when we went snorkeling, the, the guide pointed out some conch underwater it's huge. Yeah, they're big. And it's got like, yeah, it's got a massive mollusky type thing living inside it that produces lots and lots of meat that you can chop up and use. And we had conked in a few dishes. Yeah, yeah. So it, that's what sort of sets aside Belizean ceviche from a lot of other places is their prevalence of their conch. Apparently, it's a little bit overfished at the moment, so you might not find it quite as much. Uh, and as Tomo mentioned before, we also found that they include carrot in their ceviche, which is not something we approve of. I like carrot, but it was- It made the ceviche a little sweet. Yeah. And ceviche is never supposed to be sweet. I want to taste the citrus. So when you've got something balancing that out and making it sweet, it seems a bit weird. Yeah. But you should definitely try it. And conch's like great. It's like having carrot and potato salad or something like that. It just, I don't know, it just doesn't belong. You don't need to. You don't need to do it. You don't need it. So we're doing a what to eat in and we're telling you not to eat this. <laughs> well, you should try it. You should definitely no, try no, it. No, I mean, for, not. To get a comparison to other ceviche. Hey, you might dig the carrot. Yeah, some, obviously some people seem to love it. And I have to say, there is nothing like going out on the crystal blue waters, catching some fresh fish or having the crew catch it for you. And then just making some super fresh ceviche right there on the boat for everyone to enjoy with some rum punches. You know, even if you're not a lover of fish, you just don't get fish this fresh and it's got to be tried. It, it is really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that is the list of the main things that you should try in Belize. If you do happen to come across this particular dish, let us know because we did not see it there. Here's the story. Right. Some crazy dish we couldn't find. Yes. Now, what's this? So, after Belize gained independence in 1981, about 1985, Queen Elizabeth went out to visit to see how things are going down, how they're doing. Also, to show, you know, good- Good relations. Good relations and whatnot. And they decided to serve her with one of the country's finest delicacies, which is gibnut meat. Oh, I think I have heard of this. Yes. So, it's actually, because they served it to her, it's now referred to as the royal rat. <laughs> it's vermin. Yes. Gibnut is considered a bush meat. That's a nice way of describing vermin. I once again did the air quotes. Yeah, yeah. Bush meat. I, yeah, I think it came across in the audio. <laughs> yeah, and it is one of the few native animals that's actually from the rainforests of Belize. So, it's ah. totally native. Yeah, they called it the royal rat. And apparently it looks something like a cross between a chipmunk and a, a tapir. Yeah. Yeah. Just those like black and white, funny little, not donkeys. It's but, like a pig, they, with, it's yeah, a pig like, with a trunk. Yeah, like piggy trunk things. That's yeah. right. Like other Belizean meats, gibnut is typically served stewed or grilled. And I am told that tastes 
like a gamey ham or a greasy rabbit. <laughs> a greasy rabbit. <laughs> so. you can imagine I mean, on Food Network, they're like, and now for this dish, you'll be using the greasy rabbit. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a bit it's of a, a weird master thing. chef classic, like how to mess up your opponent's chance of winning. You have the gib nuts. nuts. <laughs> this greasy you. rabbit is almost impossible to get right. Yep. I'd like to see Ramsay cook one of those. Yeah, so it's weird. So it says, like a pig, a gib nut has a layer of fat beneath the skin, but like a rabbit, the meat is lean and fairly dry. So try cooking that, Ramsay. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. So, yeah, if you get a chance to try the Royal Rat, I have no guarantees that it tastes any good. All right. There you go. So, yes, of course, there are plenty of other dishes that you can try in Belize. And we have an article that lists about 21 different dishes that you can try if you have the time and you should give it a good, good go. That's for sure. I have to say where we stayed at Victoria House. Just such good food. The restaurant there, it's a boutique hotel and their chef is kicking out amazing things. Not only, and this is ridiculous, like his house. Jalapeno poppers are probably the best jalapeno poppers I've ever had. Best I've ever had. But for more sort of traditional food, I really liked the uh, flaming tequila shrimp stack, Mm -hmm. which was using like masa dough, so like corn dough. So it's mixing in that Mayan element of having these thick, uh, thick little tortillas and big, juicy local prawns flamed in tequila. That was one of the best things I ate. So the food there is fantastic. It's not just about the original traditional cuisine. It's about no. the, the fusion cuisine and the different restaurants that they've got. And it, of course, is a wonderful place to stay if you have the opportunity to, but you can just go there and experience the restaurant solely by yeah, itself. Yeah. But I do recommend staying there as well because it's gorgeous. Oh, it's amazing. Such gorgeous. A, such a beautiful resort right And if right you're treating yourself to San Pedro, why not? Just go stay on their beautiful beach and swim in your private pool or private-ish pool. Shared with like two other apartments and yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty good. But it's gorgeous. Palm trees and hammocks and it's everything you want from San Pedro. But we had lots of really good food in, in Belize, not just from the traditional food, but yeah, some fantastic restaurants that we ate at. So do check out that article. And of course, it's also the show notes for this episode, foodfuntravel.com slash Belize podcast. And you can find out about some of the tasty things that we were eating and some of the other things you can try that we haven't talked about. Mm, there's so much more, but we wanted to keep this one short. Yeah. All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. If you want to help us out, become a supporter of the show, go to foodfuntravel.com slash extras and you can sponsor the show from as little as $1.50 a month. And that will give us a little bit of a, a kick up the butt. Buy to, us Fryjacks. Um, yeah, you can buy us a Fryjack, basically. Yeah. Uh, give us a kick to go and make more episodes. Show us that we're doing a good job. Yep, we've had a request for, uh, yeah, for um, paella in paella, paella in Valencia. People want to hear about that, um, but we don't have any plans to go there just yet, so No, hey. but we might. You know, the more sponsorship we have, maybe we can fly to these destinations and try some of these new and foods. maybe I'll be able to learn how to actually pronounce paella. 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 Maybe. I can't say it. It's something wrong paella. with me. I, I think I might be pronouncing it completely wrong. Know. So I just you know. can't say it. Who knows? So, yeah, and not only if you sponsor us, will it make you have warm, fuzzy feelings inside that you're helping out the show and helping us keep the show going, but also you'll get some bonus episodes like the history of Worcester sauce, Worcestershire sauce, which is mm-hmm. not how it's pronounced at all. And maybe Mary Sharp's, maybe Mary Sharp's maybe. sauce. We'll do an episode on I that. I want to hear what Mary's story is. Yeah. We've got lots of random things. It's called our shopping list series. We talk about ingredients rather than dishes and the histories behind those. 
So, yeah, that's it. Also, remember, rate and review. As we said at the start of the episode, if you like the show, leave us a five-star review. Don't leave us less than a five-star review because that doesn't help anybody. No, it makes me sad. So, if you love the show, leave us a five-star review. If you don't love the show, don't worry about leaving a review. Just, you know, don't leave a review. Go listen to something else. It's all good. Yeah. It's all good. And subscribe because that helps get us up the ratings as well. All right. Until next time, we uh, look forward to having you join us again for our next tasty dish or what to eat in episode who knows what we'll be talking about next it'll be on times that's for sure thanks for listening to the dish don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on itunes or wherever you listen also come join our foodie community on facebook in the food worth traveling for facebook group catch you next time